Welcome to the P3 Podcast. The Pronoctis Performance Podcast is the place to be if you're interested in topics such as mindset, coaching, personal development, elite performance, and leadership development. Hello and welcome to the P3 Podcast. Here we are with a mega episode this week. We are joined by Nathan Abba, the Senior Consultant here at Pronoctis, who's got a huge amount of experience within human performance and performance coaching. And more importantly, our star guest today is... A really interesting guy. He's got a wealth of experience within international search and rescue and global emergency responses. Dan Cook from Servon, welcome. Hi. Thanks a lot, guys. Great to right? have you, Dan. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing some of your stories today, and I know the people at home will be the same too. So um, to get us started then, Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself then. What's your background and, and what, what does Servon do? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm the director of operations at Servon. does it- international rescue uh, with volunteers um you know it's quite a high level of performance actually so it's, it's, uh, it's an ideal thing for us to be working on this we basically deploy anywhere in the world where we can make a difference uh, to immediate response for life-saving and you know our history is mainly earthquakes it's where we sort of learnt our learnt our trade uh, but we've also done hurricanes floods uh, and uh, we do projects to try and train people in vulnerable places so that they can be their own rescue um now my background to, to, to that was uh, was uh, playing lots of sport at school um, and searching for a bit of purpose when leaving school. Um, I was I was talked into becoming a teacher, uh, so I, so I went off and studied PE and outdoor ed. But um, I was forever having too many more adventures uh, doing other other things. Um, although I did make it through there and become a teacher, um, did quite a bit of work with some of the military, and then very 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 randomly. Um, joined the fire and rescue service whilst I was waiting for something else to happen, uh, and uh, and that set me on a on a path of, of rescue work. Um, I think I was pretty lucky. I, I got a lot of experiences straight away and a lot of rescues straight away. I worked with some really experienced people who were calm and cool when it when they're under pressure. So it kind of rubs off on you. Um, and whilst my career was going well on that front, I started also doing international rescue for a non-government team, which which I'm now helping run um and been all over the world uh, i was really lucky back then to have an employer that would say you can just go uh so so we'd literally we, i mean we rescued a guy in pakistan 23 and a half hours after the earthquake hit um and you know woke up with a with a hangover after a retirement due and had to get someone to drive me to the airport so that we could fly um that was a that was a yeah i think that was our first mission probably for me um and you know it's it's tough work and all the rest of it but uh a lot of what I've learned is, uh, is, is about it's a human game. It's a human job. We're trying to save humans. We're trying to make the situation better for humans. And we're a team of humans. So all the technical kit and expertise aside, the skill comes from the people, uh, and the teamwork, uh, very much rather than, um, rather than just the, the, the flashy bits of kit that we take with us. Uh, and I'd say, you know, alongside that, I learned a lot of lessons about about what really works um surprisingly the the stereotypical alpha male view of what you might imagine a an international rescuer to be doesn't last very long um you know that it's 24 7 unrelenting and what you need all the way through is really good interpersonal skills with your own team and with all these poor people who've lost everything so you learn a lot about pressure you learn a lot about performance and as the years went by, my career in the fire service was going really well, as, as was the international rescue um, world, and uh, and happened across UK elite sport coaching program. Uh, there was um, I'm trying to remember who it was Chris Dot, uh, who's now at shooting, and uh, Matt Parker, who's, who's a good mate now and uh, runs the innovation teams. Um, and uh, it's probably about eight years ago, around about that. Uh, and uh, basically, I went along to uh, Pennyhill Park Farm and met some. Uh, amazing coaches who are obviously heads of their sport, uh, which for someone like me was really eye-opening. And um, and I just shared my world with them as part of their three days they were there. And fortunately, uh, well, it went well, but also they were studying Shackleton, um, which is one of my one of my favourite uh, leadership or leaders over over history. And so I was fascinated. And I got to stay. They said we well, can hang out and join in. So really uh, opened my eyes to this entire world of coaching of performance and of sharing experiences that that can do more than just the outcome uh and and ever since then i've kind of been involved in elite sports alongside my my jobs 
just by word of mouth. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we had Gareth Southgate as a student last year, uh, one of the courses we run through the charity. Uh, we had England rugby team and a whole bunch of um, Olympic performance staff, which has been amazing. And we learn a lot, but also it helps sustain a charity. Uh, and, and we share our purpose with people. So, so we're all around. It's a nice model. Um, and, uh, I guess I reached a point where <laughs> I do an amazing point in a career where, um, I was away a lot to be fair doing other stuff, but, uh, my chief fire officer, uh, or the new chief fire officer at the time, not the current one said to me, um, uh, your problem, Dan, uh, cause I came in with a, with an idea for a new way of training people. Uh, your problem is that you're striving for excellence and, you need to learn to manage in mediocrity, uh, which which is about as inspiring as it sounds. And I and I decided to move on to uh, to make my own path and uh, and what have you. And uh, hey, clearly now that's not great because I'd still be in the midst of all this and, and earning a wage in the right of the front line. But um, but similarly, I haven't regretted it. It's a, it's a wonderful journey and um, still doing rescue work, still deploying around the world, and now working in lots of different ways, uh, developing our own people and, and meeting meeting fascinating people who want to get something out of a, a slightly less conventional uh, world which we inhabit uh, in, 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 the, in the international rescue community. There's, there's so much there, Dan, that I could you know, ask a thousand questions, to be honest with you, because it's so, so rich. Can we just, um, just for the people listening at home that maybe are not familiar with Servon, can you, can you go into that in a little bit more depth in, ter- depth in terms of specifically what they do and, and the role you play there? Yeah, absolutely. So it is a non-government charity voluntary agency, um, and um, it's an evolution really from when we were we were called Rapid UK. We went through this this thing that a lot of people experience in work, like a founders syndrome, uh, and so we, we're really proud that we kind of evolved out of it um, to become focused on delivering humanitarian services, mainly the sharp end of rescue. So we have volunteers; they go through a selection, they train for up to two years. You got an international roster and then, uh, and then you get a call and you're either ready or you're not. And it's two weeks and it's go and we might fly in six hours. And it's quite a way to live your life. Um, and after a while you can get used to it and actually it's not too stressful, but, but initially it's kind of, you know, when that call comes, it's quite a hit. Um, and you have to set your life up to allow you to do that. So you not only got to be, uh, accommodate that, that lifestyle as well as that, that, uh, commitment. And those people train a lot. They train monthly. Um, they become very close. So the best way I had it described is, uh, your teammates become like your best friends when you were at school. Um, which I always think is quite a good analogy and we're quite proud of that. However, we, we also were coming back from missions and telling the, 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 the story of a mission or reporting back to, to groups like employers that let people go or donors because it's a charity. Uh, and we got an overwhelming amount of people saying, I wish I could do that. But also saying, but I can't either health or, uh, fitness or, uh, the stress or their life wouldn't let them, uh, you know, their, their job, their, their, their family makeup. And that's, that's absolutely fine. We don't, there's no judgment on it. We know that it's hard. Um, so then we decided, well, actually we can, we can set up something. And at the time we were looking at, uh, funding was horrendous. And we had, we had our sort of, if you like, founder's syndrome, founder syndrome issues going on. And we sat down as a team at a training and said, let's, let's imagine the situation is don't worry about money for a second. It's unlimited. Uh, you can whatever you want. Uh, go away in pairs with a flip chart for an hour uh, with a beer, uh, and come back every hour on the hour with answer these questions. And we just set the task of building, uh, a, a headquarters in a place and an organization. Money's no problem. Start again. What would you do? And we, we got more and more creative and imaginative. And of course, we had no money at the time, but, uh, but by the end of it, we'd had a really good laugh. We'd got our purpose and, and, um, motivation back, but we'd also got things that you don't need money for. And so we started. So now we do, uh, community resilience teams, which we set up for, as a result of that, which is UK based, very open door. Uh, we'll try and find a space for virtually anyone who comes to say, I want to serve a purpose in my community. Um, so you don't have to go dropping in and jumping in and out of helicopters and crawling through tunnels and all the stuff that comes with the, the, the international work. You can help people with organizing distribution in a warehouse, PPE, which people are doing now, or um, driving out supplies or flood rescue boats, which is a big part. 
and uh, and voluntary agency cell coordination. So these people um, that come into that room, they meet every week. Uh, it's quite social, and they learn skills that in times of you know national emergency or hardship, they step up and use those skills. So when it snows a lot, when it floods, um, any any issue around that, or helping other charities, or indeed right now. So we made it accessible, um, and then you know, so we, our membership can span all the way from um, clearly quite a lot of ex-military, but that's not the story. It's about service. Um, so we have young people, we have old people, we have everything in between. We have people who are whose backgrounds have them you know, bristling in medals and special forces backgrounds, all these things that you might imagine. We have police, fire, and ambulance, but actually, some of our best people come from nowhere near that. Um, and I always like the fact that although, although she works in an amazing job now, one of our best operators was a hairdresser. Um, and, uh, and she's good because not only does she do the job that everyone did and she was fit enough and strong enough and all the rest of it, uh, it's because she spends all day talking to people and, you know, building rapport with people and understanding motivations. And actually that skills harder to get that high end than uh, use a chainsaw, use a disc cutter, knock holes and stuff, and use use search kits. So, so we we have a really diverse group. Um, we haven't got any agenda that we have to, but we literally do have an enormously diverse uh, pool of humans to to make our our response and our team out of, which is a pleasure. And it means that we even encourage a lot of different thinking, because I'd rather have somebody in the room with the uh, with the answer than um, than we all think the same way and we're all getting it wrong at the same time. So. Yeah, we have some some different thinking and different uh, ways of doing things, and and we can be quite un- unconventional. But the people that belong to it uh, put in so much that it is um, it is more than a hobby. Uh, it's unpaid, but it's much much more than a hobby, and it becomes part of their lifestyle. Much like many of the the you know the lifeboat and serious um, other groups that do this, uh, and so it is more than just a adventure. It's certainly not. If people come wanting adventure, they quickly get disappointed because it's you might get some adventure, but it's terrifying at the same time. And unless you're centered in our purpose uh, and uh, not you're not actually here to to enjoy the ride so much, um, it will it would you know it will take you to pieces really. And uh, and so we're really careful with allowing people to go into that risk that their motivations are sound uh, and that we've aligned that and spent a lot of time training. Equally, of course, we're also open minded and. And, and, I, and I love the fact that we have Rescue Rookies, which is an under-18s program. Uh, we go to colleges, schools, and we even run them with our CRTs, the community groups. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a nice tale, a real quick one. We had a, one of my fire stations where uh, the Servon office was at the time, as well as, uh, as, well as my office. And um, a schoolgirl knocked on the front door, I think she was 14 at the time. Uh, knocked on the front door uh, on her own on the way home from school and said hi I want to join the want to join that rescue team that, that I've seen in the papers I think we've been on a mission or something and she's only 14 so it's a pretty brave thing to do and she's come and knocked on the door and, and said look I want to do this um, and of course I'm standing there uh, in my fire job thinking okay well, let's have a think about this well we can't insure you it's really dangerous we definitely don't want to expose you to trauma um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and some of the, the people that we work with and all the rest of it. So take it as a, that's great that you want to do that. Maybe have a look at what you need to study, uh, become a, I think she is becoming a paramedic now as it goes. But, um, and then as she walked off, I thought, that's rubbish. That's not good enough. We, we try and thrive in, 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 in situations rather than just cope. And I, and I walked away from it going, that's nowhere near good enough. So I called her back and said, just come back next week with your folks and, um, and see what's possible, no promises. So we changed our insurance. We, we went into our safeguarding, chaperoning, uh, and best practice. And we studied that quickly and arranged and changed our policies and got her to join our community team as a test. And then just two years later, she was in the Philippines teaching like 200 kids disaster awareness training uh, and helping out in a medical center on one of our projects. And that's just at 16. Now she's just starting. What was it, Dan? So, so, so what was it? Sorry to jump in. So what was it sure. at that moment that crossed you when you went, wow, that's rubbish? Was it was it because you felt you were sort of, um, you know, pushing out someone's flames there, you know, putting out someone's flames who's got a natural desire to help and support? Well, I think there was, there was a bit on reflection where I thought if it was one of my little girls and they were brave enough at that age to go do that, then they deserve a bit more time. I wasn't dismissive, but 
deep down, if I'm honest, I thought that's no way that's going to happen. It's a tiny little thing. You know, this is a pretty unpleasant world that you're thinking of entering. And I hadn't really thought it through. But also, I just felt like um, you get lots of, at that age, it's like the in-betweeners, isn't it? You're not allowed to do anything, but you think you want to, but everyone treats you like a kid, and you're not sure. And and I just thought, nah, you know, that's that's just not good enough. I, you know, these moments that you can have that can give someone a little turn in life and have a massive impact. Um, and actually, the other flip side is, it, you know, the old parent-child. Well, actually, it shouldn't be. And this person's got every right to come and ask a question like that and say, oh, how do I do this? Uh, and to be told, well, you can't work hard at school pat on the head that's not that's no good so uh, i think there was a little switch that was only a few seconds because she's not got far away when i said hang on just right reset let's start again um and i think i remember saying that's not good enough no promises but i think we can do better than that um and so i think allowing yourself every so often allowing yourself to be wrong and then doing something about it um and uh, and it's dead easy isn't it to go with what most people would say and what the uh the larger scale sort of the system would say you have to be this old therefore the answer is no rather than okay what would that look like how could we achieve it is it worth doing uh clearly we manage the risk and we're not putting someone like that into into harm's way and in, in a traumatic sense or the, the response stuff till they're older but um but that doesn't mean you can't learn amazing stuff and put someone young against uh, who's sort of wanting life experience uh, alongside a person who's who's you know done a full career in this and and uh, and has learned a lot and has also sort of got lots of experience but not sure where to place it because maybe they come out of military you put them together and they're they're both helping each other it's not a guide and a a follower they're actually they actually bring each other together and um her name's jazz and she's been on our board meetings and you know you sit with with uh successful businessmen and women and uh really strategic people who are who are working in lots of different areas and then you sit there with a with a college student you know, how old she when she came on the board yeah 16 just done gcses or something actually having genuine conversations at the right level and it turns out uh if you do that you get some really really important stuff and feedback because we don't know everything the world's changing fast and um you know new thinking can come from from young people so yeah so we've wow it's a diverse and exciting group Still, we have a big aim, and that's save saveable lives uh, at the top of what we do. Mitigate effects of disaster, help return to new normal, uh, and then uh, and then also uh, find purpose for people and members. Um, so, in doing this, we are, uh, you know, I know there are plenty of stories of people who found purpose with us that's turned their life around regarding mental health, regarding even even the the really worst stages you can get to with um, with your, with your mental health and, and what have you. By doing this, the life has turned around. Um, and, and even there's a bit where people have come to us who are, they're at a point in a career where they've got a bit of space and they want to find something. They do this. And then sometimes that takes them in a totally new life path and they're really successful. You know, one of the things we're proud of is people come to us, uh, and then end up getting promoted and, and changing career and almost to the extent they can't come, come and deploy with us because the, the lessons they've taken and the, the journey they've gone has almost set them elsewhere and then you know why not that's that's great that's uh that's good for people it's good for us all to see that happen so yeah it's a really exciting charity part of i guess it's uh from one angle it looks like something to do with thunderbirds you know lots of lots of cool kit and helmets and torches and high vis and big gloves and crawling around in tunnels that definitely is at our front end and there's a lot of work with security and communications and and are you negotiating with with you know premieres of countries and all sorts that happens and yes, that you know there are exciting moments and there's terrifying moments when you get shot at and, and things like that. But actually, that's one sharp point of the work we do. And if you come back into what we do as as uh, members or people that we touch, then um, then that's really exciting also, and it's really rewarding for the long term. So over here in the UK, you know, we've got challenging times right now, and uh, uh, for those those team members that aren't already employed in in fighting. Uh, uh covid19 then uh, the teams themselves are standing up in multiple areas to offer what they can have you got um have you got examples of what the the teams are doing right now if, if you could possibly share yeah yeah absolutely i think we, we've got teams standing up in gloucester salisbury portsmouth worthing and london uh we're not based in london we're based out in the southwest um a lot of that work is about information gathering uh volunteer coordination and some of the tasks are medical delivery, food delivery, 
Uh, and one of the bigger ones that we're, we're sort of excited about is working alongside uh, Navy personnel down in Portsmouth to try and establish a PPE distribution hub because you might have heard there's, there's places with, with nothing. There's, there's medical centers who are running out. So, uh, that type of work is, is essential. Uh, it's not exciting, uh, but they're going to work really hard, uh, take it professionally and try and take pride in it so that we can, we can assist on that front. And then, of course, there are also, um, the worst case and less savory jobs that involve, uh, you know, assisting with fatalities and the treatment of that in various areas. Uh, which sadly is probably going to be a reality for for the nation. Uh, and that does tie into some of our international team because they kind of work around that um, that type of work. Uh, and we have been asked, uh, would we stand by some of our specialist uh, technical rescue in case in case we run out of people? Um, so, yeah, a bit desperate situations. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the other bit that's really hard is if you're a responder uh, and you're... Yeah, mindset and uh emotive responses to go forward very much like i was saying earlier we, we need to just put the brakes on and not spread things make them worse so you can end up trying to do what you can from from a boat <laughs> with the internet instead of charging around doing things uh so we're we're setting up our command teams virtually so uh, a lot of the zooms going on like the rest of the world right now um and uh, and we're actually building in a um a loop with some of the guys at the best self where, where we're debriefing and sharing learning fast, but it's not only learning as in how to interact better or, or the way in which our systems work. It's, it's, it's finding purpose every day. So if you've got to do a difficult job, which everything's difficult right now, uh, and you're, 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 you're worried about your family, you're worried about spreading this, you're worried about contracting this. Um, you need every day to be refreshed. So one of our models is that each evening, we try and find purpose in some of the stories from the day. They might be humorous. They might be uh, more emotive. Uh, but if you can find purpose, then there's a good reason to get up in the morning and carry on. And if you have a crappy day on and, and it didn't work very well, but one of your team had a great day, at least you can be aware of that and take the motivation from it, um, which is which is another sort of layer to what we're doing with our command team. So we, we've got people about to start working on that, that constant learning and constant feedback to keep the purpose up. Dan, so yeah, can I, Dan. Sorry, can I just jump in? Um, you've yeah. talked about purpose quite a bit, and I've we've known each other for about six months now, and that's been a big theme of of when I've seen you operate. Can you just give us a little bit of an insight into what you mean by that, and just expand on that essence of purpose? Please? Yeah, I think um, it's very easy to say purpose and just stick yourself onto a cause and say uh, I have purpose because I do something, um, and for us. Getting a deeper buy-in to that is why we take a while on selection and on training for our people, because we want it to be authentic and genuine. We've discovered, and I guess there's a lot of studies around this, but if you can um, genuinely centre yourself on uh, what it is you're trying to do and the, the big pieces there that are saved lives, uh, the values as a team, so that the trust piece is there to say, I'm trusting me, me and my opposer trust each other, um, our aim we trust we like we believe in it enough that uh, we'll put our lives on the line on occasion then that means that the method uh can change uh the environment can change the pressures can change and the if you like the, the themes of pressure that come in and the experiences can change but you actually are protecting yourself so you're sort of bulletproofing your soul a little bit by having that purpose it gives you something to stick to when it's uncertain uh and everything we work in is uncertain in, in this organization so our, our our environment is is chaotic and uncertain and uh, we also try not to get the balance wrong between establish order and stay in the place where you can find out information where you can make things better and where you can see the picture um, and that's always a, a tricky thing and it's emotional and it, and it affects your psychology and uh, mark who i work with uh, best self as a, as a psychologist um does uh, special forces groups and lots of Olympians. And he was studying fear. I think he's kind of a, an expert on fear. And the first time I met him, he did a day with me on fear. And so we looked at it. And actually, um, when you have a purpose, you are, you are, you allow yourself to drop, uh, a lot of stressors and, 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 and just let them go. Um, you know, there are things that you can, you can deep down say, doesn't matter. It's all right. That's gone. Doesn't matter. That's fine. Let's get rid of those things. 
Um, and so having the purpose allows allows you to do that more effectively uh, and keep your mind calmer so that you're, you know, your tripart brain, you're not shrinking. You're still staying in a space that's uh, that's productive in terms of creativity and communicating. It's like I said earlier, we have to be under pressure. We still have to be good at that. Like we just, you can't just be barking out aggressive stuff at people. As you'll see from, you know, some sports, people need to calm down on the, on the playing field. Otherwise, they're slowing down because of the way they're aggressive with each other, all that kind of thing. So um, when we have that common purpose, we find that for me to stay calmer, um, but it's not as simple as some people are cool under pressure. It's, we're not. We're all human. We'll have stuff we're scared of. Um, and so when we have a team and we have a purpose and we say, this, this is, these are our values, um, actually it helps our performance. Uh, and when we're, when we're, um, we take care of each other, um, unashamedly, you know, uh, we know that's about performance. So I believe that the cutting edge work of performance is of thriving in those horrible places instead of just surviving or coping does come from what a lot of people describe as soft skills. I, I just can't, I don't see it like that. I think, uh, having the courage to be kind, uh, under pressure is, is really important. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean we don't take on really horrible stuff, but, um, it does mean that people are always surprised how we can have quite a, a soft approach to each other, even when time is tight. In fact, more so sometimes because we don't need to waste time on um, demonstrating our ego or waste time on um, making sure everyone knows this is stressful because it's pretty stressful already. <laughs> These things are obviously stressful already and we acknowledge that and therefore we try and uh, work our way through. And, and we, we also spend a lot of time thinking about the impact and never, ever underestimate the impact you have on another person who's upset or stressed or just lost their family or scared they're going to die uh you can make a massive difference to that uh, and that's why we work with people like jason and al who do a lot of human behavior uh and interaction stuff so that when we're dealing with someone who's in that situation or if we are uh, there's some simple methodologies that we go through to try and try and get a good outcome and try and stay on a level where we're thinking well um so yeah i mean that's where we've we've got and i guess we've learned quite a lot from that we're studying my my, my thing at the moment is be more rescue and it's quite a new thing where, where we're looking at if you could take that mindset into going to work, into this current climate we've got right now, clearly, uh, or into uh, those moments when you've got hard times in the workplace or family, or is, is being able to recognize there is a mode you can go into. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be fight, fight, uh, freeze. Uh, it can be performed. You can give yourself permission to drop a few things uh, and elevate where you're at. Um, and, and, uh, you know, maybe there is that moment when you go, okay, I haven't really got the answers to this one, but I have a great team of people who trust each other. So I've got faith the answer's there. So all I need to do is help herd that, direct it, listen and, and place hope into people uh, and we will find a way around it. Now, my experience has always been that we succeeded with that. Um, and so what can we share with others, uh, even through mediums like this, is, is that business of uh, doesn't matter who you are. Like we're not superhuman. There's no one superhuman doing this stuff. Uh, what, what we are is, is humans who have intent, have some purpose, uh, and take time to learn how to execute it. It's like anyone who wants to, uh, have a higher skill in, in a, in a given area. And we definitely know that if we have that, uh, recognizing the moments when you need to have a mindset that's maybe more rescue or, um, recognizing that, uh, this is challenging. This hurts. So I need to employ a few tactics to get through this and to be better. Uh, is better than being a victim to it and saying, "Ah, oh, hurting. I'm, I've got to curl up. I need to take care of myself by by actually withdrawing into this." Uh, for us, I would always suggest that acknowledge what's happening, try and identify it, uh, and try and just see it as it's the weather, you know, and you put on an extra coat or whatever it is. So, so those situations we're facing right now across the nation are really tough, but really grim. I, I guess. In definitely in my lifetime, and probably most people, is our nation's not faced a challenge like this. Um, so people are going to be in that mode regularly, and it's sustained. And so we need those breaks, and we need that daily turnaround, and we need that uh, involvement in something helpful. And, and there's so many people are doing like the, the phone calls for NHS, helping stay in touch with somebody. There's all sorts of little bits that's good for you as well as the recipient, right? So, so I guess that purpose piece now is is pretty important as well. There was um there was a bit you talked around there about the I think for a long time we've we've 
certainly organisations and senior leaders have devalued the, the soft skills. And I think the problem with that is the label it was given. You know, it's, it's a soft skill. So it's a bit, you know, tree huggy and, the, you know, and people are not ready for that yet, you know, in terms of that. If you want to go a stage further, talk about spirit, spiritual enlightenment, you know, in terms of really starting to, you know, open yourself up to realise that you're not always right. Um, and that other people have the information and, and maybe the answers down. They may be 10, 10 rungs down the ladder within your organization. They're the specialists. And I think that that basis, that, that, that sort of uh, ties in with another challenge we see within organizations is where they have this term difficult conversations. You know, we can't have those difficult conversations. And me and Nathan, I know we've spoken about this regularly. It's because they term them difficult conversations. So they're priming themselves to be difficult rather than a productive conversation. I'm sure in yeah. your environment, there's no time for a difficult conversation. It's just effective communication. Is that a fair yeah. assumption? Oh, absolutely. In fact, in fact, there's no time to um, to get it wrong with the hostilities and the extra concern about status and things. So, so strangely enough, the the, the there are often occasions when when you're not going to cause offence. You're in this you're in this a uh, great moment. For the for that conversation, it's not a great moment where the person is desperate, you're desperate, and you're saying things in simple English uh, and stating them plainly and checking each other's understanding and all the things that actually work really well in, in other environments where you're going, "Am I right? This is what we've agreed. We're doing it. Yep, we're doing it. Okay, I've got it here. Double check. I know it's hard, but I'm going to have to ask you to do this for me. You got that? Yeah, I'm going to. And you're you're talking about. Um, I'm going to show you a photo of your kids. Uh, I think they're dead in there. I'm going to bring it out, and I need you to tell me quickly. So I've only got X amount of hours. I've got to clear these buildings. I need to know if they're yours or not, and they're dead. Uh, really horrible conversations, you know, giving the bad news to umpteen different. But actually, you, you you learn that those those human eye contact, showing it matters to you, showing it you care. Um, and then when you're talking to people who might appear to have a different agenda, and they're not going to help you get what you want to get, and having to say, there's no, I can't shout at this person. It's their country. They've got the gun, they've got the uniform, and they've got all the transport. I need to talk to them about why this is better for their environment. I can't do that. The moment I escalate them into a little bit more difficult, say, right, this is going to be challenging. It's body language, it's tone and everything. Whereas if I can say, you can help so much here, I'm so glad I'm talking to you, um, you, you set things off differently. And you're, you're still trying to be productive. Um, and yes, there are also people who, are, who will struggle in their performance and need a rest. And, and so we build in the difficult conversation uh, beforehand. So, so it's not. It's like if I know that if I'm told to go, I need to go to sleep on a mission and I say, no, I'll be all right, I definitely need to go to sleep on a mission. It's, it's like it's because we, we know each other, we trust each other, and, and that's how it works. So that when someone says, I think you need to get your head down, they're going to be right especially if I don't think they're right. <laughs> uh, because we've had those, we've built out that, that those conversations and why it's important to, to get to that level from the off. Um, and, and, you know, building a rapport and explaining things really honestly from the off helps as well. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely, absolutely right. And I remember, I remember working in a local authority and, and it would have been fire, which is a wonderful job, great people, but the difficult conversations courses that people had to go on and they were making things difficult. And you've got industrial disputes and relationships and you've got unions and you've got all sorts of different types of leaders. So there are always challenges to be had and they're always really emotive subjects. But if people approach them like, how do we come away from this happier and more effective and uh, safer uh, doing our jobs better then then they work entirely differently and yeah i guess sometimes i have i am really fortunate to witness some outstanding performance sadly due to the environment and the nature of it and and maybe taking stuff from that and applying it back to uh someone who's crossing a car park or somebody who just isn't really pulling their weight or doesn't want to do a new project or whatever it is you can still you can still apply those principles right yeah, for sure. And what was coming to mind there was the, you know, the choice we have, which is predominantly subconscious when we're faced with a challenge, is it's either a challenge or a threat. And I think when you've, certainly in your organization, where you've created that intent, we know what we're going to achieve. We know what our purpose is. We're going to help. It's all about a challenge now rather than a threat to me. So that pull towards a challenge, we'll always try and see, well, I'm doing this for the greater good of what we're trying to achieve. So it almost allows you to behave that way as well as your training and your background and your evidence-based. It's in that moment. Well, I know I need to get, get on with this. The case in point you said, because I now need to move on to the next 
dig out and I need to get in there and see what's next because I can't, I haven't got half an hour to have a softy, softy conversation here. I just need to deliver it in the right manner, be respectful, you know, and they want to know too. Um, and what the reason I'm, I'm, I'm laboring yeah. on that, there's a lot of things I'm seeing at the moment and I'm writing an article uh, at the moment around leaders and managers of business need to stand up right now because what's happened is it's been coming, the, the coronavirus has been coming. They've had a bit of a shock last Monday when everybody got sent home, you know, just, just eight, nine days ago. And then last week was a phase of normalizing. So everyone's just routine, setting up their home office, starting to utilize technology. But what's going to happen now is people are going to want more from their leaders and managers. And, and the one thing I think leaders and managers should be doing now is picking up the phone and speaking to their direct reports, not about KPIs, not about business performance, but about them as a human being. How are you? How's your family? Can we do anything as an organization? Granted, the markets have crashed. We, let's not even talk about where our jobs are going to be in three, six months' time. Let's talk about you and I as a human being. Um, and it seemed, it seemed to be a little bit of, well, a, a lot of that, of dealing with the human being, the human performance level. Do you know, I think you're right. So there's a bit that um, I've rarely been involved in having to sell anything, like as a business or as part of something, or, um, or, or act in a way where I'm trying to get competitive advantage in the commercial world. It just doesn't, it doesn't really sit well with me. Now, the moment that you've got purpose, you are, if you like, you have your own ethical permission to achieve whatever you need to. So if companies can find that purpose in those relationships, it means that I'm not ripping anyone off. I'm not trying to get my product to you ahead of them and I'll use any tactics to do it or any of that stuff. You're actually saying this business stands for this. It, it behaves like this. I need to maintain those behaviors and values, right? You know, those personal relationships see your boss or down and across to each other. If you can have that, then actually you can, you can justify, you can justify the efforts to still work. You can justify the way you, you push after success because you've got a bit more of that, um, uh, ethical permission inside there. And then absolutely, if bosses, companies are going, let's just start with humans right now. There's, there is, there's some hard decisions clearly. Some, some companies just, it's not possible to sustain and they're trying to work it. But the very best thing you can ever do for everyone's benefit is show that you, you as a human are doing the best you can for the people you care about as well as just a business and saying, it's tough. I don't like this. Sorry. Click email. Sorry. Uh, take time because that other person can come back to you. You know, there's a lot, there is going to be a lot of new normal, whatever that is, and people coming back to things and, uh, uh, and having to learn from each other. And what you do now, what you do now has a massive, massive future attached to it, I believe, um, uh, especially in business. And we see different examples of people standing up and saying, well, this is my way and I'm going to do it for the people. And you get shot down or you don't, but as long as they believe in it and they're doing it for the right reasons and they're having those things, then at least they're taking taking action and what have you. And I think if we can get those human human direction and purpose, then at least you're, you're adding a layer of protection to each other to, to, to make it through, to be a bit more resilient, to say, you know, I can strip down this, I can do without that, I can make a new way of working here, I can, I can take time because maintaining my performance means reducing stress and recovering every day at some point. Uh, so I'm allowed to have some selfish moments where I'm, doing nothing but you know whatever learn to play ukulele it doesn't matter what it's going to be um if you can do that then you can flip it on its head and say now and i can perform better so we're giving lots of different permissions and you need people just need to know that's okay uh and they need to almost uh you know it isn't just go home go mad on netflix and uh see you in september but if we can if we can if we can have purpose have some work and then recognize it so even with my group of people that i would say are pretty resilient people we're definitely working already on our our every other day some sort of stories from our time to maintain purpose and that has nothing to do with productivity has nothing to do with technical stuff uh it's going to be how did you feel what difference did it make and it might be someone saying i, I had a crap day I, I drove around all over the place trying to deliver stuff everywhere i went no one was in in the end you know, I had the wrong address and the system was broken. And what they need is to say, is, is to know that that was just one moment in a great endeavor that's going to do good things for people. And they need their teammates to say, that's right. We'll get it sorted or give me a bell next time. I'll get, you know, we'll have a laugh about it when you're stuck in a lay by wondering where you, where your sat nav's gone. So, um, all of that side of things, I think you're absolutely right. And if there's people watching this and it can help them, just maintaining some decent human 
behaviors i, I think uh, so those, those, those soft skills dan i think you know we've, i've seen loads of things where people are saying emotional intelligence is going to be the new iq moving forward where you know that that intelligence historically we've been creating that, and of course we need that and we need professors but information's quickly accessible now because of these things so our ability to retain information is not as great as it used to be but our ability to engage and have empathy with one another as human beings moving forward is really, really important. And I think some of the listeners, Dan, would be really interested in some of your examples of that pointy end you discussed. So some of your experiences, you talked around, you know, having to dig children out of, you know, um, I'm guessing buildings that have collapsed as part of earthquakes, etc. Is there one story that sort of comes to mind that sort of epitomizes everything that the organization's about? Well, do you know... Um... Um, there are some that are pretty gruesome if I'm really honest but what I'd say is that you don't dwell too hard on them because as soon as you've achieved that uh, you haven't just scored a goal or uh, won a medal it's the next building on it's the next building on it's the next building so um, for sort of pick an example I would say that uh, yeah I'd say there was one where uh, we were were trying to rescue a a woman um, and she'd been buried for three it's three and a half days, between three and four days. Uh, we'd lost contact with her, got contact back, and a uh, big, huge, great big 12 story building that collapsed and um, killed her, uh, other family members, and, uh, and what have you. Um, and uh, we discovered we were tunneling the wrong side of a huge um, wall that was technically earthquake proof, which had sort of kept it up. Bringing down one side. And um, after about 10 hours of extremely hard tunneling in a tiny space you realize we were the wrong side uh, and that cutting through wasn't an option so we had to come out readjust go back in it's going to be another 10 hours we and, and you're talking about people who have still hardly slept yet in 45 degree temperatures uh really unpleasant working conditions a lot of dead bodies around and what have you and um and we're going in and tapping the guy on the foot to tell him look uh <laughs> and he's quite a character but, um, but tapping on the foot to say, uh, we're in the wrong side of the wall here. We have to come out and do it again. And these are those moments where you say, what do we measure? What, what success is? I, I measure it with how we behave to each other. So there's not a metric that really adds up for me to have fit, keep my purpose. There is how we behave and how we treat each other. And I was able to tap the guy on the foot in the tunnel. He turns around a bit, crawls around uh, and say, um, we've got, we're on the wrong side. We've got to go out. We'll go and do it again. Um, I'm not smiling when I say that and he goggles up respirator down looks at me sweating not slept days, and just goes can you, can you tell me again but you do it in a film voice and so I, had to, <laughs> I just had to go Gary we gotta go back and do it again now that's terrible when you're surrounded by dead bodies but I just love that humour there's no disappointment there's no it's like making it okay and saying just tell me but use a cool voice and I'll get straight back on with another 10 hours tunnel on the other side to me, that's where we get our successes because you've, you've got, you've got nothing but failure all around you. The buildings are falling down. There's no infrastructure, food, water, communications. There's a lot of dead bodies. There's some really nasty stuff going on with people and there's amazing stuff. And so how we act and respond in those moments is what we can measure. Uh, so I would say my highlights or my takeaways are mainly that, um, more than for example, a whole day in Haiti where every single building we went to uh, had dead bodies in and relatives. And we were giving the bad news to every demographic of relative you can imagine. So mum, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, grandparents. Uh, and it's a, that's a tough day, right? <laughs> we didn't find anyone alive that day. And then you don't find that many people alive. You know, I've been in uh, on a dozen or so uh, internationally where I've rescued a person from a collapsed building and apparently that's more than most um, but you know what you, you, you're clearing an area if they're in there then we'll find them if they're not in there we'll clear it and that's really important a whole day of bad news bad news bad news bad news bad news and uh, happened to be the person that was doing that is really tough and that's that is again where we say well if you want to look at performance in a difficult moment I can I can come out and uh, and speak to a couple of family members and say yeah, they're dead in there. I'd walk on to the next one and we'll do and the team are packing up the kit and moving. If I do that, that's that is a very important moment for those people to go. The bad news is the bad news. They already suspect it. They're pretty good in lots of countries that are dealing with grief. But how you get told 
can also make a difference. And we had quite a lot of impact from once from the police about it. And so for a moment, I'll make eye contact. I'll put my hand on the shoulder and explain what, what I think happened in, in, in nice terms. And I'll, and I'll look at them and I'll be very human with it. And it takes something out of you. It really hurts. But also, you then have to be able to drop those bits, a bit like the fear stuff earlier. You have to just drop it because there's another building. And we didn't come to just feel sorry for one person. We came to deliver an outcome. And that's where our harder edges have to be. But they're entirely wrapped in, in the human behavior and understanding uh, how best to communicate in a, in a quality sense. Because we want to give that person the best way of moving through, not only because it's right, but because it's smoother for recovery. And, and, and you know, the, the, the more recovery process you can make, the less disease, less of the other problems. So building after building after building, turn on the emotional links and turn them off, turn them on to it, it's wearing. And that's that's where we I think we really earn our um, whatever credit we get for our work is probably in those moments uh, more than, you know, abseiling off stuff or, or breaching holes and things. That's just that's just traveling. Um, it's what we do to, to save a life or how we deal with when we can't. I think, I think there's a big piece in there and I think it's going to relate to some of the webinars we're doing over the coming weeks with the NHS that are currently dealing with COVID-19 is pacing your effort, you know, looking after yourself. You know, you can't go 100% all the time, full throttle. You need to manage your energy levels throughout the, the sustained effort over potentially three, four, five months. Um, it's not about the next three hours it's about you know if you're skipping lunch or skipping breakfast or whatever it needs to be it's going to come back and bite you on the backside at some point and there's huge crossovers here you know everything you were talking about there resonated with me with my time in the military um within the space within elite sport so i totally get the crossover there within the, the key fundamentals i'm just conscious Dan, that i think we could probably talk for hours here absolutely hours and hours because it is a, a subject that fascinates me and i know that something that fascinates you is resilience can you, can you talk to us sort of in a couple of minutes regarding what your principles and what you're seeing and understanding around human resilience? Because I know it's a hot topic right now. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I'm really lucky to work with, um, especially NHS, uh, work with sort of uh, DNA and in McCann and that crowd, and they have some really good science behind practical ways to sustain performance, especially in the NHS, they're big, and the military, but one of the NHS, NHS one of the big things. And I think it's fascinating that... Um, you can definitely get the science behind how to stay healthy. You can definitely get the, uh, the metrics that say you need to sleep. You need to take some exercise. You need to take some breaks. You need to have a network to support you. You definitely need to feel part of something with a purpose. So these are like the, there's a baker's dozen that's doing the rounds, which has been given for free. I think it's on our website. Um, it's not a commercial thing. It's, it's, it's a genuine supported by science and it'd be great for people. Um, for me, there is this the next bit, which is I can know all those things and still get burnt out. It, it's it's how it's what mental step do you take to say I actually do? That's me as well. Yeah, it's, it, I could read it, but it's it's about me and it's about the person I work next to. And before it, the wheels fall off, before uh, you need a week to recover, you know, one of the guys on my team, Jace, amazing sort of operator. He's he's just taking the weekend off social media because he said that. Oh, I need to take a day or two off, otherwise it will be a week off. Um, and being able to take action for yourself and communicate, it's that bit of saying, I think most people know uh, and can easily read a list of what you should do to take care of yourself. Actually doing it is the step. It's like there's a little gap between knowledge and so how often do people get dehydrated when they're doing something in a, in a hard place? All the time. We know we've got to drink water. So, so, so what is it that, that, that ensures that? And if you're controlling people, if you're controlling work, if you can build in anything that is human, that acknowledges it, that gives permission, that credits that time, then you're going to be doing something to maintain this, you know, national operation for longer. Um, so I think credit to those moments is really important. And my little brother's a, is a, a, a doctor. He's, a, he's half my age. Uh, he's a, on the COVID wards on the front line in London. Uh, and he's getting it right. He's, he's taking his time. He's doing his rest. He's rotating out of these things. It's, it's quite inspiring. Um, so the people that do that are going to last longer. The longer they last, the more uh, we can cope with this thing. Uh, so anything that people can do to support their workforces or the people are helping that says, make it okay to do the human side, because that's how we're going to actually last this sort of fight uh, in many ways, I believe. 
Um, and so resilience isn't just being tough in a movie sense. Um, resilience is about being responsible um, and uh, recognizing things early in each other. And sometimes you've got to have those conversations that shouldn't be difficult. So productive conversations early about how do you react? How do I know when the pressure's getting to you? How do I tell you when you need telling? This is how I work and this is how you need to tell me and I'll listen to you. And if you yeah. can get those conversations in early, we can put, pull ourselves away from the fire and last longer. That's great advice, Dan. That's a big piece of self-awareness and awareness of others, isn't it? And then the team dynamics and knowing the person working, working with you and spotting it. And then it's okay to ask, you know, are you okay? You know, you're looking a bit pale or you're looking a bit tired or is everything okay? What's going on? And then all of a sudden we're having the right kind of conversations. Dan, I, I'm, I'm going to have to wrap it up just because of time. Um, I feel like we could chat for hours, like I said. So um, thanks very much for some really insightful information there. I, I definitely want to pick up and go in more depth, maybe another conversation around resilience, um, maybe in a couple of weeks' time when, when, when the calendars work well. But for those listening and things you've, you, you've said have resonated, where is best for them to contact you? Um, if you look up uh, Servon, just, just Google Servon, uh, I think you can find me on LinkedIn. And the Best Self Alliance is... Uh, is a, a venture that we're doing with some of the members that uh, centers around a lot of this as well. Uh, so look, check out those things. And if you can't find it on a website, drop a message for the Baker's Dozen. It's been given away well. It's really good for, for maintaining resilience. And uh, it's free to the world. It's not, it's not a commercial job. So, uh, yeah, just, just look us up there. And uh, if you can find me on LinkedIn, you want to get in touch, go for your life. Great stuff. And, and whenever people will find this, this, this podcast later on, there'll be links below. So just follow down into the comments and they'll be able to find it but Dan I found it insightful I, I've learned a lot I love I love chatting to people in the same sort of space if you like and always learning and thanks very much for your time Nate thanks very much as well for your time and uh, we look forward to uh, to hearing from you all again soon thanks very much guys cheers Neil cheers Dan cheers guys thanks a lot we hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the P3 podcast if you'd like to engage further with us then please come and follow us across all social media platforms we're on facebook instagram twitter and youtube and of course follow us on wherever you get your podcasts to be one of the first to be notified of any new content